This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Well, hello. Welcome back, friend. Whether you've been here before or you're listening for the first time, I love to share what we're all about here. Finding Something Real is an intentional journey designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, I wanted to create a special place for people. Finding Something Real is about finding restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are things I believe we all desire that Jesus Christ has the ultimate answers for. And you see, I don't just believe in Jesus because he's changed my life. Although he has, I believe in him because he's radically real. So if you find that all hard to believe, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to just go on a journey. So today we are diving into season six, which started last week. Today we have a special guest who I can't wait to introduce to you here in a moment. The way this podcast works is a little different than other podcasts. Here every month we try to invite a different young woman to share her story, to talk about her questions, and then we invite guests who can address her honest questions or topics brought up from a Christian perspective. So this month you're going to listen to episodes curated by my friend Gracie. In the second episode of the month, you'll be hearing from a passionate and fun guest. I have to say I loved getting to know him. He just has a lot of insight on a lot of different topics, and you'll see that in a minute. We'll be addressing one of the topics that Gracie brought up, uh, especially uh, we're going to be talking about church hurt. And so Gracie, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you again for being honest about your experience. Thank you for being vulnerable and raw. And your questions and your story, they matter. So thank you so much for that. Now, listener, we'll get to today's episode in just a moment, but if you like this podcast, here's a couple words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for finding something real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Hi, friend. This is Tara Catherine, assistant producer of the Finding Something Real podcast. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. So please comment, subscribe, follow, like, share, all the things. And one of the biggest things you can do to help keep this podcast on the air is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
We love your reviews. Your public feedback is a huge help to show others that we're not alone over here. So will you please do us a favor, as long as you're not driving right this minute, will you hit pause and write a review? It won't cost you anything but maybe 30 seconds of your time. Maybe you'll even hear your review here in a future episode. This week we want to give a special shout out to Landsperson. Landsperson writes, As a guest of this podcast, and now as a listener, I appreciate Janelle's approach to faith and reconciliation. This is a delightful podcast, and I pray that those who are floundering will find much to strengthen them here. Thank you, Landsperson, and thank you, listener, in advance for helping tell others about this podcast by leaving a review. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I am super excited about today's episode. Have you ever felt rejected by someone who says they love Jesus? If so, you're going to want to listen. You are listening in for season six, where we're starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. And this month, we are featuring conversations with or for a young woman named Gracie. Gracie and I met last summer. If you listened to our first episode, you know that she is such a joyful, fun person to be around, and it was a privilege to sit down with her and hear her share about her faith journey. In that first episode, which we'll link in the show notes, Gracie shared questions she has about God, but also she shared her story. And part of her story is that she felt really let down by other Christians. In fact, I think she felt people who said they loved Jesus rejected someone that she loved. So what do you do when church people disappoint or hurt you. We've talked about this topic before on the podcast, and I'll share some of those previous episodes in the show notes. But Mm. honestly, this is a topic that comes up again and again. When Christians hurt Christians, how do we process that or even begin to move forward? I invited Gracie to be here today, and unfortunately, she's not able to join. So Gracie, if you're listening, I'll be asking questions for you, and I hope I do them justice. You may want to come back soon. Today's special guest is a parenting expert who grew up as the son of another parenting expert. He speaks around the country nearly every weekend, and he's the author of six books, including multiple bestsellers. He is a radio host along with his wife. They have a top 20 iTunes podcast, and he's spoken before more than one million people around the world. He has appeared in numerous major media outlets, and he and his wife, Laura, live in Colorado Springs with their two children. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Ryan Dobson, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. And I love the questions you're asking. It's so important to talk about these things. So huge honor. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for being here. And Ryan, you grew up not only in the church, but in <laughs> ministry. Um, tell me about your upbringing and anyone listening. Tell, tell us about you. Yeah, um, everything was normal till about the fifth grade. Um, <laughs> I had normal parents, I had a normal sister, went to a normal school. Uh, and I had no idea that my dad was famous. No clue. He didn't tell us. So it just, he's just our dad, you know? Um, little did I know, every one of my Christian school friends' parents were listening to his <laughs> broadcast on the way to school in carpool every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the fifth grade. We had a substitute teacher and she was taking role and she said, uh, Ryan Dobson. And I said, Here. And she goes, Oh, like Dr. Dobson. And I go, Yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> 
And she goes, oh, honey, I know you wish he was. <laughs> and I had no narrative for what she was saying. I could not imagine why she would question this. Why would I lie about this? And why do I wish he was my dad? That's strange. And then as I'm thinking this, the entire class, you know, 25 kids, all start screaming, that's his dad, that's his dad. And they're all pointing. And I was like, what are you? Why does everybody know who my dad is? Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, flabbergasted. She got very embarrassed. I didn't know how to handle that. <laughs> um, and then the next day she brought a stack of books of my dad's and gave them to me to bring home for my dad to sign for her. Oh, wow. So, um, and I, I'll say this. I have so much empathy and so much grace today. Um I am a huge, huge believer in therapy. I go every two <laughs> Me weeks. Me too. Yeah, I've been I've been in therapy since I was 21. That's 31 years. Mm. Uh, I currently go every two weeks. My wife goes. We go together every now and then to you know. Um, I am, I am upright and on two feet. I have a successful marriage and kids that love me and like to be around me because of my therapy. Mm. I could never, never have achieved this on my own. The investment my therapists have put into my life is incalculable, incalculable. Um, So today I have a ton of grace and a ton of empathy. She had no idea that it was an inappropriate thing to do. She was thrilled. I mean, oh my gracious, the most famous person she's ever heard of that she has read all of his books, listened to his program every day, I'm inferring this. Mm. Uh, All of a sudden, the sun is right in front of her and she can get her book signed? Oh my goodness, how would you not take advantage of that situation? But I will tell you, that did shape um, my view of ministry and the opinion of myself and it shaped my actions for a lot for a few decades. Mm. Um, I didn't know I could say no. Mm. So anything somebody asked of me, especially in relation to my dad, I did every mm. time. Um, and it's always inappropriate. <laughs> it's always inappropriate to ask a child to relay your adult message of pain and suffering to your father. It's inappropriate. You shouldn't do it. But they had no idea and they were desperate and they were hurting and they thought he was going to solve their problems. And so how do you, again, if you're drowning and there's a lifeline, you're going to take it. And so people have for a long time. So I I mean, I got taken advantage of for quite some time um, unintentionally. And I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm on the pity pot or anything, but it happens. Mm -hmm. It just does. You know, when people say, you know, when Britney Spears shaved her head or Michael Phelps was, you know, hitting the bong at a party or Miley Cyrus and the things, people go, oh, can you believe it? And I'm like, of course, what are you talking about? I can't believe it didn't (laughs) happen sooner. Like the fact that they're not, literally the fact that they're not dead is a miracle. It's a miracle because there's this image placed on them. That's what I understand about the Britneys and the Miley's. They grew up in the Disney world. I did too. It was just Christian Disney. Uh, and Disney, this multi-billion dollar conglomerate, told the entire world that they were this person. They put them in a box. Mm-hmm. This is who you are. 
This is everything you are, and you cannot stray outside of that box. This is who we want. Nobody wants anything except the person in the box. And at some point, it's so painful to not have your own identity that you go, you know what? <laughs> Shaving your head. Yeah. yeah. Shave your head. Or yeah. you'll smoke pot in public knowing you're a nine-time Olympic gold medalist. And of course, someone's going to take a picture of you doing it. Yeah. So for those of you who are not familiar with Dr. James Dobson, because I know <laughs> um, we often have guests on here, not guests uh, necessarily, but um, co-hosts, young women mm -hmm. who are from different countries or um, have no uh, you know, background in American Christian subculture. Yeah, go ahead. I'll give you the cliff notes. <laughs> uh, my dad put out a, a thing called a film series in 1980. It was the first time any Christian, maybe any person, had filmed themselves in one place and played it in another place to an audience. Mm. Um, by 1985, a hundred million people had seen it, which is one in three Americans. Wow. Um, by the mid 90s, he was talking to 330 million people a week on the radio, which means every 16 weeks he was speaking to the population of the world. Um, and that's yeah. the family I grew up in. And <laughs> oh, so it's not just that. Like, I, I look at celebrities and I wonder about their children and I see their kids. And when I see them succeed, I'm just, oh, it makes me so happy. My dad was a marriage and child therapist. Like, he was, uh, he has a degree in child development. So mm -hmm. my sister and I were the prototypes for if all of his books worked. Mm -hmm. And intentionally or unintentionally, we felt that. Yeah. You have to live up to that. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, this is the hardest part. And this is what caused my breakdowns is you wrap your faith into it. Nobody said these words to me, but this is the impression I got from most people in Christendom. If you do something that causes someone to stop listening to your dad, that person might not hear Jesus. If they don't hear Jesus, they're going to go to hell. Your dad talks to the population of the earth every 16 weeks. If you misbehave, the whole world's going to go to hell, and it's all going to be your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no pressure at all, Ryan. Um, and, and just to give, you know, a little side note from someone who, you know, has never met you before. Um, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And my mm -hmm. mom, I think, had all of your dad's books. Um, we listened to your dad on the radio quite often. Yeah. I, re I think I remember him talking about his kids because he did. And um, I remember my mom, one of her biggest parenting strategies came from your father, you know, she said, Oh, Dr. Dobson says to let you, uh, you know, choose whatever clothes you want. So when you were a little girl, I let you run around wearing the mix matched clothes because they inspired creativity. And I got to hear about, you know, wow. all those things. And, and I am a creative person. So maybe it was, uh, you know, on account of your father, but awesome. all that to say, that is a lot of pressure from the time before you were around 11 years old when that teacher suddenly revealed to you, your father's famous and oh, oh my yeah. goodness. The dam I wanted... broke then. Yeah. That was it. Everybody then felt comfortable telling me they knew who my dad was and mentioning the stories they heard about me and my teachers did. And my dad told a story about getting his nose broken and then everybody at school was asking me how my dad was <laughs> and it was an old story and I didn't know what they were talking about. Ugh. Yeah. I worked in a building about a decade ago. I was I, I rented an office in an office building. I had to move because people found out that James Dobson's son was there. And I mean, all day long, I got therapy sessions. It's like, I'm not a therapist. 
You got the wrong guy. I can't solve your problems. So tell me about your your home life and your faith journey before that. And then, you know, especially in relationship to God, what was it like after that as you were dealing with people's expectations and the pressure cooker of kind of being in the limelight? Yeah. Um, well, that's such a good question. You know, I became a Christian when I was very young. Um, I was probably three. I can remember it. My parents, you know, my dad led me through uh, the prayer. I can remember the blue chair that was in our living room. Um, I can also remember being very, very rational and black and white as a child, um, which has caused more problems than good in my life, being black and white. But I can remember my sister asking me, you're never going to smoke, Ryan, right? You'll never smoke. And I was probably six, maybe, but I can remember thinking, my goodness, I'm going to live a long time from now. How do I have any idea if I'm ever going to smoke? That seems like a really big question at this point in my life. Why I thought that, I don't know. And so I answered, I don't know. And I mean, the whole house went crazy. I mean, we had prayer sessions and because Ryan might smoke and it was like, oh, hey, I, I just don't know. Hopefully not. Yeah. But who knows? So uh, a big break for me came. I'm in Colorado Springs now. I grew up in Southern California. I went to a camp when I was 17. It's called Summit Ministries. I work in their donor development department now, and I do podcast production for them. Uh, and it teaches Christian worldview. My parents made me go. I ran away my first night. Um and I was not strong-willed. I'm telling you, I was the most compliant child. I can tell what you're thinking just by eyes because I've looked in the rearview mirror and seen my parents. I know what your eyes mean. I was so compliant, but I was broken. At that point, I was I just couldn't take it anymore. I ran away, got caught, got brought back. Praise the Lord, they didn't tell my parents. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was so hilarious. I, I didn't figure this out till I was probably 35. We were both thinking the same thing walking back to camp. Nobody, nobody tell James Dobson. Like my dad would have <laughs> killed me. If I had run away, he would have been mortified. Oh, I would have never heard the end of it. They were thinking no one tell James Dobson. We lost his kid the first night, you know? Mm. Uh, and. Dr. David Noble was the president. He changed my life. I grew up with a star in the family. And when you have a star in the family, you revolve around it. That's just natural. It's not intentional. It's not stated. My dad did never said we were lesser than, uh, always has been supportive. And he cast a large shadow. So you just kind of tend to fall in line. I didn't really think I had much to offer life. And, and it wasn't, I didn't think anything poorly of myself. I just figured we'd follow him. Right. Mm. And I went to this camp and Dr. Noble told me that God had a purpose for my life and I could make a difference. And I left believing it. Mm. I left believing God was watching me and was excited for me and couldn't wait to see me find the plan that he was laying out for me. I just had to find it. And everything I do today, I'm 52. I went when I was 17. It's been 35 years. I work for the new president. I, I Kids go every year that changes their lives just like it did mine. It changed my life. And it's so important, the questions you're going to ask today about being hurt by the church or being hurt by a Christian, because my foundation 
started at Summit Ministries. My theological foundation and understanding that I can trust so solidly on the Bible that if I disagree with something and it's got to be me, I have to be the wrong one. That has changed everything about my life. That changed everything. It stuck with me. Now I did, I don't know, I got broken. I went to college after that. I went to school in Illinois in a very small town. I grew up in Southern California. We were big fish in a giant pond. Mm. I mean, I'm friends with Josh McDowell's son and Rick Warren's daughter and you name it, famous kids. We all know each other. Yeah. You know, we all have a bond in common. When I went to Illinois, it felt like it was Jesus Christ and James Dobson. I was like a beetle. It was, I'm telling you, it was awful. Mm. And nobody meant to do it. It's nobody's fault. It's no one's fault. But it broke me almost instantaneously. I mean, mm. I would walk into a crowd and, and girls would be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And like scream and run away. I mean, it was, ugh. So I not got like a invited. beetle, like a beetle, like Elvis Presley kind of, like the it beetle. Was. Yep. <laughs> Paul McCartney. It, it was It was that. Wow. Um, and it sounds, people are like, oh my gosh, what, oh, how terrible. Everybody loves you. Everybody thinks you're fam. Oh my, I'm telling you, when you know in your heart, when you know in your innermost being, you can never, oh my goodness, you could never live up to the the image people have for you. I knew I was a fraud, mm. except Jesus doesn't think I'm a fraud. I was a fraud in ministry. I was a fraud in religiosity. Mm -hmm. I was a fraud in iconism. Uh, that's wow. it. Wow. But I was, and I knew it, and did, it broke me. Did you ever feel any of that? I mean, I think... A lot of people, they start going down this path of doubt, you know, struggling like, oh, this is a lot of pressure. Um, so oh, yeah. I'm going to question my faith. Did nope. you ever go through a season of that? No, you didn't. No, no, not. No, not really. Mm -mm. No, not till my wife had cancer. Um, and even then, it just sucks. Like, it's just the worst. No, I don't question it. I always know God loves me. Yeah. I just... I just know I'm a sinner. You know what I mean? I'm a struggler. Yeah. Like I'm not, I mean, I am not the perfect guy and I'll never, like my wife and I, our slogan for Rebel Parenting is Rebel Parenting, how we failed our way to success and you can too. I am <laughs> such a failure. I mean, I, when I got married, oh, I was the worst husband. I was an awful father. I was so afraid. I was just afraid of being a bad Dobson and mm -hmm. being a bad Christian. And because of it, I was the worst of all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's just, you know. And that's the whole thing, though. It's grace when the Lord, oh, I'm telling you. I started struggling with addiction in college. You know, it was the first time I ever drank, it was alone in my room by myself. I can tell you in that instant, I remember drinking and thinking, dude, you're alone in a dark room. You know this is the worst thing you could do. Like you're not social drinking, bro. <laughs> you're starting off with a problem. You're starting off in the dark, but I was. How could I ever drink in public? People would see me. I'd be a failure of James Dobson's son. Mm. And I drank alone and I drank for a long time, but I've, I've been in AA for, I don't know, forever now. 
and people find out and they're like oh my goodness it's like yeah i'm i'm did so you, human <laughs> did you i want to ask one follow-up question to that and then yeah. we'll dive into some of these but did you ever have a conversation with your dad where you were like hey I mean, what was your relationship with your father like? And were you able to share with him, I feel like I'm under a lot of pressure to perform a certain way? Um, uh, this will make my dad uncomfortable. He's not great at that conversation. If I have a crisis, he is super dad. I can tell you when uh, my second year, well, it was I went to that first college in Illinois and I just, I mean, I nosedived straight to the ground. I mean, I, I got horrible grades after two and a half years. And I didn't tell my parents. I had a full mental breakdown. Um, I started getting panic attacks, but I didn't tell anybody. I didn't know who to tell. And they thought, you know, they offered me a therapist in town, but her son went to my college. And I was like, what? No, how stupid. Yeah. No. Um, I took some time off, got clean. Um, got into AA, went to college again, instantly spiraled out of control. Um, I went to Biola, which is, it was the best. I mean, oh, I owe them my life. And I called my parents and I said, I need to talk to somebody. And I tell you what, the greatest gift my parents have ever given me is my dad said, okay, I'll find someone. He didn't ask me what was going on. <laughs> He didn't want me to tell him. He didn't need me to tell him. He just knew I needed help. And he found a guy named Dr. Keith Edwards. And he changed my life. Wow. Yeah, changed my life. Oh my gosh, that's why I love therapy so much. I was 21 years old and I was gonna kill myself, either on purpose or on accident. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I didn't have an identity. My identity was James Dobson's son. I mean, I've been introduced like that many times. I'm a speaker. I'm a public speaker. I've been in, I've been waiting on the side wings in front of an audience of a thousand people. And a guy gets up behind a podium and goes, do you ever, have you ever heard of a guy named James Dobson? Do you know, focus on the family. He's got a son. Welcome Ryan Dobson. Yeah. And I'm like, I've written four books. I, I like. I have a degree. I'm. You're not going to mention anything, okay? Now I got to prove myself every single time. It took a long time to find my voice. It was tough. But my, I'll tell you what, my parents, man, they're savages. They're so hard. <laughs> they are. My mom, you want to you want to see a a bear attack my dad? Who, mm -hmm. my mom? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. She'll take you out. My parents, there it's family first. Yeah. That's it. Family first. And I'm that way with my kids. Yeah. So when it came time, I told my dad, I'm like, you can't talk about me on the radio anymore. You can't do it. It's killing me. And he went, okay. And he yeah. stopped. That day he stopped. Can you imagine? I mean, you're taking away half of your of your library, essentially. Like you can't mention that ever again. No, not one more time. Wow. And now today, now I don't care what he says. I mean, say whatever you want. <laughs> but for I don't know, for years, his office would email me. We would like to air this program. It has this story about you in it. Are you okay with that? And there were times I was like, nope. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't air it. Oh my God, what a gift. Who does that? Who yeah. does that? So yeah. 
when I needed therapy and they paid for my therapy, I mean, well, well into adulthood, into my first marriage. I had another marriage that fell apart. So if you want to ask about that, I can, we can talk about that too. It's no big deal. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love this. I, I, mean, I don't know if love is the right word, but um, I, I appreciate you sharing all of this because oh. I think what you're touching upon is really in line with what Gracie brought up, which is, you know, mm. church and ministry and Christianity, it can be messy because you're dealing oh. with broken people who can hurt each other. Um, yeah. Gracie shared about some of her experience feeling like the church she attended rejected someone she loved. Yeah. Um, there's a whole buzzword of deconstruction right now. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that uh, movement. Uh, it makes me so sad. Yeah. It does. It makes, here's the truth. Oh, people are going to wound you. They're going to wound you. It sucks so bad. I hate to use that, but it's just, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful, but you're going to get kicked in the teeth. And it's even worse when it's a Christian yes. because you think they're supposed to be better. And I mean, I guess, and we're such failures. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're just awful, awful failures. But getting your feelings hurt especially by someone you've trusted or you've been vulnerable with or someone that's taught you or it's meant a lot to you. Yes, it is so, it is the most painful. And it, the hardest thing, the reason why we go into deconstruction is because we're so uncomfortable with pain. We're so uncomfortable with grief. Mm. Grieve. My goodness, when my wife went through cancer for the first time, when we went through it, she went through it, we lost our friends. It was crazy. Mm. I mean, we lost people we thought were our friends. And I hate to do this because every now and then they hear this and it drives them nuts. Whatever, you abandoned me. <laughs> in our greatest moment of need, I thought I had a friend. And what I had to grieve was I didn't. I grieved the fact that I invested in people for so, and it, I don't regret it. Mm -hmm. Investing in people is never the wrong thing. It will always make you better. I don't regret anything, anything at all. And I grieve that they weren't strong enough for our pain. Mm -hmm. I grieve that they don't have the deep friendships they thought they had, but I grieved my loss yeah. and it still hurts. Yeah. But it wasn't Jesus. It yeah. wasn't. It was just people that say they're, they, they believe in him, they, that they follow him. It wasn't Jesus. It just wasn't. I'm telling you, if you go into the Bible Oh, I wish I could recall the verse. There's it's there's a, a word. It's like G-R-U-L. And it says when the Lord thinks about us, he shakes with violent passion. Mm. That when the Lord thinks of his children, I can't believe it. You know, Tom Cruise on the couch with Oprah. <laughs> About That's, Katie Holmes. Yes. Yes. That is it. how embarrassing, right? But that's what the Lord does when he thinks about us. He loves us so much that he shakes with a passion. He's so excited for his children. And the deconstructionism comes from pain. It comes from being wounded by somebody that said they were a follower of Christ and they represented God for you, right? Mm -hmm. And we see this, my goodness, uh, Ravi Zacharias, the whole scandal. How many people fell off because they believed in an icon? Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest. The hardest part is we realize at times in our life 
that we put more trust in a person than the Lord. And it's so normal and it's so natural and everybody does it. I do it all the time. I do it today. But I try, right? I try, but it's the understanding. You know, people always go, how do you, you know, not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Oh my gosh, do you know why? Because I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the number of people I've hurt their feelings? Can you imagine, by the way, here you go. I didn't even ask for this. Can you imagine the people that I've hurt who view me as James Dobson's son, as an icon of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And I'm a human being failure and I can't live up to that, but that's even even worse hurt than just, you know, your boyfriend broke up with you in a poopy way, right? Right. Didn't, wasn't kind and didn't have empathy for your situation, but it's worse it's worse if you think it's Jesus' son. That's the thing. We think that. We are ch children of God, and it's like, but you should behave differently. It's true. Yeah. 100%. Well, I think, too, what's hard is, I mean, you just mentioned Ravi Zacharias. When it's a church leader, when it's somebody uh. who not only says that they're a Christian, but is representing basically a mouthpiece of God's yeah. work here on earth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I, I loved Ravi. Um, I've I know. had several people from RZIM and, you know, their other ministries since then here, and they all are, you know, incredible people. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember when that went down and I thought, how how is that even possible? How do you even wrap your mind around that? And I think, um, like you're saying, it's easy to get those confused. But then when you hear somebody who can go to passion and speak to, you know, 10,000 people and you hear the vice president of the United States eulogizing him and you hear Tim Tebow and all these other celebrities saying this man was a man of God. And yeah. then six months later, all uh, of this stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. It is, um, you know, it's deeply disturbing and it's, it wrecks you. Like what you were saying, we don't like to live in that discomfort and that sorrow, yeah. but it's easy to go, especially when it's the local church, I will say. It's even harder oh, yeah. when it's someone you know personally yep. who's like still preaching, still mm -hmm. doing the thing. That that actually, <laughs> Ryan, I'd love to talk to you about that. What do you do when the person isn't dethroned from ministry like, mm -hmm. you know, Ravi's been. But and it's they're a somebody, monster and you know it. Somebody's still in ministry and they're doing yeah. something hurtful. And maybe it's not sexual sin, but it's something where there's bitterness, there's lies. It's, mm -hmm. it, it feels so wrong. How do you reconcile that? Because then it's not just that person, but it's the people around that person oh, yeah. who are protecting you got it. something that's not Christ-like at all. Yes. And again, it's so hard. It really is. The answer is we're all failures. We're all failure human beings. We just yeah. don't see it for everybody. That's the crazy one. Oh man. So my wife uh, got cancer about, how old was Lucy? Uh, six, six, seven years ago, I think. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's awful. She's had facial reconstructive surgery a couple times. And I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. And I'll, I, this is my complete total vulnerability honesty. I remember going to my dad and I was like, I'm so embarrassed. And he's like, why? I'm like, because I just thought things like this didn't happen to people like us. Mm. How stupid to believe it. But I did. I believed I had done the right Christian dance and I had prayed the right Christian prayer and I was going to get passed over. And my dad said, of course you think that. Everybody thinks that. Like you just forget. And you know what he did for me? 
he started listing famous Christians we know and hidden hardships I had never known they went through. Not to pull the curtain back, but just to say, Ryan, everybody struggles. Everybody has pain. Everybody fails. And the the higher, the more famous you are, the harder it is to tell somebody. Well, who do you tell? Who do you tell, you know, I did a show a long time ago. Ooh, I got hate mail for it. I did a show and I said, how many of you would attend a church if you knew your pastor struggled with pornography? And I closed with, some of you already do. You just don't know it. And people were, how dare you? Hey, I'm just telling you, that's the truth. It doesn't mean you don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It means you're a sinner that's struggling and you happen to be really famous while you're struggling. How many people love Jesus and struggle and aren't famous? Famous people do too. It's just, they, it's harder to tell people because then what do you do? I mean, can you imagine Robbie coming forward and saying, hey, I've been a fraud for however long it is. He'd lose everything. He'd lose everything. He'd be ostr. I mean, do I think he should have? Yeah. Uh, you know, I you see that thing, hurt people, hurt people. Pfft, no, thank you. That's the worst. Hurt people who don't get healing hurt people. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. Yeah. Well, then also, I mean outside of the church, the world is watching and Ugh. they go, if that's what Christianity looks like, you know, a guy who gets up to the sermon, you know, on yep. Sundays and can preach a perfect sermon and then is secretly, you know, hiding in his room watching mm -hmm. pornography or whatever. Yep. I don't want anything to do with that. No, it's true. And that's right. But that's not Christianity. It's not true Christianity. True Christianity isn't somebody getting up and being phony, being two-faced, having a secret life. That's not. You know, like uh, one of the things that Laura and I have done on our podcast, people talk, you know, with Christian leaders and experts, they talk about the problems that they used to have, you know, way back then. Oh, yeah. But yeah. not anymore. Now I've got the answers. No, I don't. I have struggles all the time. I almost lost my job last year. I record podcasts and I lost a day of recording from a travel trip. I traveled with one of the guys I record with. We were gone for a week and I lost an entire day. Hmm. Oh, no. I could have gotten fired. I should have gotten fired. 
I mean, I called airport. I lost a, a SIM card in a in an airport. I called airport police. I called TSA. I, I mean, I did everything. And then it just came down. I had to go over and tell them. I had to go tell them. And so I told my kids that I might get fired. And they were like, what? And I'm like, it's true. I just need you to know that even when you're an adult, you can make huge mistakes. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I There's a million things I could have done to not have that situation arise. And I now do them so it doesn't arise in the, again in the future. But I failed so bad. And praise the Lord, not only did my boss forgive me for the extent of my contract. He was so gracious. Mm -hmm. um, and I got home. And Laura drove me. I was so nervous I couldn't even drive. My wife drove me. And I got home and the kids were like, how'd it go? And I'm like, oh, it was so great. And I told them, you know, the Lord was there and all the things. And they were like, yay, you know, and Laura goes, and? And I was like, and? And she goes, yeah, and? And I go, and what? And she goes, yeah, what was the consequence, Ryan? And I was like, oh, yeah. I turned to my kids and go, yeah, I had to give all the money back I made that week. And they were like, oh. and I go, no, no, no. That is a tiny little price. That's a tiny price. I just got my contract extended six months. <laughs> and it was the right thing to do. I'll tell you this too. This is a man of God. My boss, when I told him I was going to give the money back from that week, he was like, are you sure? And I was like, oh yeah, this is the right thing to do. And he goes, is your family okay with this? And I was like, they're going to be fine. And he goes, okay. Wow. It was the honest thing to do, right? Everybody. Yeah. That's what I got to tell my kids. And that's what I want to tell people. It's just difficult. But I don't want my kids to grow up and think, oh, my goodness, my parents never failed when they were adults. They had all the answers. I tell my kids all the time, I've never been the dad of a 16-year-old. I've never been the dad of a 16-year-old son before. I am faking it sometimes, but you got to give me a break. <laughs> this is my first time, too. You've never been a 16-year-old with a dad. I've never been a dad with a 16-year-old. We're going through it together for the very first time, dude. Can we just help? Yeah. The grace, empathy and grace. It's so – and it makes you the bigger person. Yeah, it will make you and, and you're going to do it with your parents, right? Mm -hmm. As you grow up, you become the bigger per and it's the worst when it starts happening. You're like, you're a parent. You should behave differently. You should be. What are you doing? And you got to be the adult. Yeah, it will stretch you. It will grow you. I'll tell you this. So I'm in my garage right now. I turned it into my office and nice. right over here, there's a little step that goes into the house. And there were so many, this is what I want to tell the people that are hurt too. There were so many days that I would come in here <laughs> I would just weep because I was watching my wife suffer so much. And I would just tell the Lord, I can't feel you. I'm so mad because I can't feel you. And I know you're here. I know you're here. I know your arms are around me. I know that. I know that to be true. I know you died for me. I know you love me. I know you have a plan for me. I know all these things, but Lord, I don't feel you. And I've gotten that through therapy of when I'm in trouble, when I'm in crisis, what do you know to be true? With the capital T, not my truth, not your truth, the actual, eternal, everlasting, no beginning, no end truth. It says, God loves me. 
then whatever I'm going through has to be for my betterment. I just hate it. I hate it. When we went through miscarriages, I remember telling the Lord, why are you doing this? And he said, don't you trust me? And I was like, I do, but you keep making decisions I hate. Don't do it anymore. And he would say, do you trust me? That's the thing. Do you trust? It's, it is the hardest thing to feel alone and to be wounded and to only have God. I'm going through the Psalms right now. I think I'm in Psalm 55. Brew, David. I'll tell you what, a Bible teacher at Biola. Man, I wish I could remember his name. So when I was in Biola, one of my best friends uh, got shot by the police in L.A. Shot four times, wrongful shooting, um, ICU, almost died, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. And I was in an interim class. Uh, a the it was an Old Testament class. It was like a summer school class, but it was Christmas. Um, we had a long Christmas break at Biola, so you could take a whole class. But it was like five hours a day, five days a week. I'd go to class. I'd leave class. I'd drive two hours to the hospital. I'd sit in ICU. It would close at 11. I would drive two hours back. I'd get back at 1. I'd fall asleep. I'd get up. I'd go to class. And I started falling asleep in class. And I would wake up and, you know, nobody saw. And it just happened. I remember waking up and the whole class is empty. It's just me. I don't know how long I've been asleep. But, I mean, I've drooled on my desk and, you know, it's just me and the professor. What are you going to do? And I got up and I was like, sorry. And I started walking out. And he's like, hey, why don't you come back in? And he's like, what's going on? And I was like, my friend got shot. I'm at the ICU every day. I, if you want to fail me, it's totally fine. But I'm, you know, and I'm sure I was just in anguish. And I remember he said, Ryan, have you ever read the Psalms? And in that moment, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? Really? This is what you're going to tell me? Oh, my goodness. My friend is literally on death's door. Oh, would you like to read the Psalms, Ryan? I was so mad. I don't know what I said, but it was just so inappropriate. And, and he was kind of taken aback. And I was like, this Christian stuff. I was, I tell you, I questioned my faith that day. I was like, this Christian stuff. We we were Christians. We did the things. We sacrificed. We prayed. And this stinks. I don't like it. And I'm mad. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, you can turn your homework in whenever you want. You can take your test as late as you want. You can sleep in my class every day. I don't care. But what I want you to do is I want you to read through the Psalms with a highlighter and I want you to highlight every time there's tears, crying, moaning. Anytime you see pain, highlight it. Whoa! <laughs> Who knew? It's all pain. It's like three quarters of, Lord, where are you? Everybody's laughing at me. What's going on? I'm alone. I'm alone and in pain. I'm alone and in pain. I'm alone and in pain. I can't feel you. I'm alone and in pain. Oh, it's the best. And David, what a failure, right? Man after God's own heart. But you know what I'm saying? Like, people always go, why did God put failures in the Bible? How stupid, because we're all failures, dummy. I never want to listen to people with all the answers. So what do you feel is the remedy for somebody who's been deeply wounded by someone else's failure to reflect God in a loving way? How uh, does that person reconcile that um, while acknowledging the pain, but also moving forward? 
in a grace-filled, authentic way. Mm. Okay, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, you don't have to be that person's friend ever again. You never have to be that person's friend. I, I, I did this. So one of the couples that ditched us when Laura had cancer, she had facial reconstructive surgery. They removed her lower lip. Uh, they cut from one side to the other on her lower lip in the front, and then they removed everything all the way down inside, and then they built a new one back. She had just... I mean, her mouth was all stitches inside and out. It was so crazy. It was the, I mean, it's a horror story. It's like living in a horror movie and just out of nowhere ditch. This was like, I don't know. It was early in the year, like February, whatever. I get an email from one of these jackasses on my birthday. Like, hey, I think maybe it was a text. Like, how's it going? And I was like, what? And I was like, hey, let's get coffee. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to find out. He starts just making small talk. And I was like, hey, bro, you abandoned me at my lowest time. Why are you reaching out now? And he said, he's like, well, I mean, I think everything's kind of calmed down now. I thought I'd reach out again. And I was like, oh, I am so glad you said that. And he was like, what? And I go, I never have to think about you one more time. I'm like, I don't think you have any idea what it means to be a friend. But I can tell you, I'll never think about you one more time. Hmm. And I set my cup down and I walked away. Now, have I thought about him? I mean, think about him now, right? But I've been absolved. I don't worry about him. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care if he hears this podcast. No big deal. Whatever. What are you going to do when you see him in heaven and you have to deal with him then? Oh, it's going to be will? the Oh my goodness, it's going to be the best. It's going to be the best. Oh, can you imagine? 100% clear communication. All the hurt and I mean, all the things you say in your head, all the voices that we have in our head, right? All those voices telling you that you're not enough are going to be gone. I was I'm telling you, I was telling my dad this. We were at a we were coming home from a funeral. And I'm telling you, a person that he knew passed away and in passing hurt my dad's feelings on purpose, took a shot on the way out. That's, you got to plan that. He planned it before he passed away. You know what? I'm mad at you and I'm going to let you know it even after I'm gone. And I was asking my dad about it. I'm like, is your, are your feelings hurt? And he was like, well, you know, and he was doing the Christian answer. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's okay to say your feelings are hurt. And he was like, it, I could tell he was so wounded. And I go, isn't it going to be amazing when we get to heaven and it'll all be gone and you can have the friendship you've always wanted. You'll experience it for the first time, a real relationship. Like, what is that? What is that? What's a real relationship? What does it mean? Someone that'll never leave you. Never, you can know they'll never, 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 never leave you. That they love you because of all your faults. Like that's where my wife and I are now. Like we're so great because we're both failures and we both love each other for our failures. And we don't try to fix each other. Like that's the thing too. Don't, you, this is the part too, because you're going to want closure. You want to tell them that they're a bad person, right? And that's the other part too. You can. I, yeah, I've done that too. Yes, I had a therapist uh, who really hurt my wife and I. 
uh, one of our issues became above their pay grade, I guess. And they didn't know how to back out and they backed out poorly. And it was maybe a year later, I called this left a message and I was like, you hurt us so bad. And I just, I didn't say anything inappropriate, but I spoke the truth and I did it when I knew they weren't going to answer the phone. And there's an app called Sly Dial. If you want to use it when you know you're just going to get their answer machine, that's totally cool. And you could be honest, don't be sinful. Be honest. And you don't have to answer the phone when they call you to justify what they did or any of those things. You don't have to. If you need that, then get it out. If you want to send a letter, I I know someone I I I, I won't I can tell you I know Christian Leader and he hurt a person. And that person wrote him a letter explaining the hurt. And at the end of the letter said I will not answer if you call. I do not want to speak to you again. Hmm. Okay. You got to honor that. You don't have to like it. Well, then that gets into the whole issue of forgiveness, Ryan. Ooh. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, because oh, here, thank you here's so the much. thing. Okay. I'm going to cause so much controversy right now. Okay, okay, but I just We are not say. called. <laughs> we are not called. We are not called to forgive people that don't want forgiveness. We are called to forgive as Christ forgave us. Did I accept the free gift of eternal salvation from Jesus Christ? Yes, I did. Did I understand I was wrong and repent of my sins? Yes, I did. Did I ask for forgiveness for my sins of Christ? Yes, I absolutely did. And gone white as snow Mm -hmm. but what happens if i never turn to christ what happens if i never ask for forgiveness what happens if i don't recognize his authority what if i say i don't i don't need your i don't need your forgiveness and i don't want your forgiveness will he force me into heaven against my will Mm -hmm. no we are called to love everyone that's worse It's so much harder. How do you love someone that's wounded you? Let's say it's a parent. Let's say you got a parent that abused you when you were young or is verbally abusive or was physically abusive. How do you love somebody? Because I think we're called to love, honor our father and mother. So what do you do? How do you love a person? How do you love a person that still hurts you? Mm -hmm. What do they still say mean things to you? How do you love them? It's really, really, really hard. But I'm telling you, if that person doesn't want forgiveness, stop that whole thing about I forgave the person that hurt me and even though they didn't ask for it and now I feel free, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I don't get it. If you don't want my forgiveness, it's totally cool. It's so great. But if you do, I am there. And I had this happen to me. I had it happen to me. It just ha- I'm so, oh my goodness. I'm so glad you called. This is the greatest. <laughs> it's so fun talking to you. I was speaking, I wouldn't even say where because the person might hear this. Okay. When I used to work in Washington, D.C., I had someone stab me in the back so bad. They wrote, oh, it was a complete total lie, a complete falsehood. They wrote my boss, the three vice presidents, and the 12 board members, a 14-page letter assassinating my character. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dad was a board member. <sighs> 14 pages assassinating my character. I had to then go to all those people and be like, this is a lie. Mm -hmm. 
This is a complete lie. My dad, I think, is the only one that believed me 100%. Nobody believes you 100%. They're like, yeah, but even if a quarter of it's true, that's pretty bad. It wasn't 100% lie, not even 10%. Not 1% was true. But that's what happens. My reputation got hit hard. 25 years later, this fall, I was speaking at an event. I do charity fundraising for nonprofits. I do for gospel rescue missions, uh, treatment centers, addiction centers, uh, pregnancy resource centers. I'm adopted. You, I'm, I'm, I'm there. This guy showed up at that event. Him and his wife come up to me beforehand. Oh, Ryan, hey, it's so good to see you. How are your parents? This big, dumb, fat face in mine. Oh, ooh, I wanted to punch him in the face so bad. I was just, oh, everything in me was just like, just punch that guy in the face. Just, oh, just one time. I can't, it's my job to fundraise. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to be the keynote speaker. I cannot be inappropriate. And by the way, they know it. What a, what a crappy Christian thing to do to know you've got me stuck. Oh, I was seething. Then I got to calm down, right? I, gotta calm, I went to the bathroom. Oh, I just want to punch everything. Calm down. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord just helped me so much. And I did a fundraiser for a pregnancy resource center. And I talked about being adopted. And I, I'm really vulnerable. I, I believe in just radical honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't lie. It's, that's a bad news. Uh, I had a good time. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. And I was up front talking to people afterwards, and I see this guy in line. And I was like, dude, really? You're going to stick me again? I can't believe it. Ah, this ah. And I just see him getting closer, just one more person closer. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I can do it, Lord. Okay. He comes to me. By the way, there's a crowd of people around me. I didn't see. He's weeping. Hmm. And he was like, he barely could get the words out. And he was like, is there any possible way you could ever forgive me for what I did to you? I was like, yes, of course. Are you kidding? I'm a huge failure. I've made a million mistakes. Don't take this. Never have that weight on your shoulders again. Please let it be lifted. It's the greatest thing in the world. He's been holding a burden for 25 years. And what did I get to do? I got to alleviate it. Hmm. Because he repented. He wanted my forgiveness for 25 years. He didn't. Didn't ask for it. And I didn't give it because he didn't want it. But I am telling you, there is no greater feeling. Oh, my goodness. There's no greater feeling than alleviating somebody's burden. Mm -hmm. When that person, if they change, if the Lord gets a hold of them and they come to you, if a parent comes to you and goes, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe when you were a child and I said those things. Oh, honey, I am so... I, I, you could probably never forgive me. Is there any way? Yes. Hmm. Yes. That's what a relationship is. Yeah. Now, do you have to go into business with that person? No, I mean, but uh, listen, I'm not going to work with that guy anymore. But man. Oh, I'm so happy for him. I'm so, so, so. the The lightness that he left with. It's only through Jesus. I didn't do that. Yeah. So the guy, going back to the guy who um, called you uh, or texted um, when your wife wasn't there for you when your wife had cancer, right? And I I can think, you know, I've I've 
been around people who've been going through crisis, sometimes people withdraw, like you're saying about being uncomfortable, but also because they don't know what to say, they feel ill-equipped, right? Who know who knows why this person wasn't a good friend to you? But if they came to you and said, "I'm really sorry," I'm really sorry. Oh, for- that would be forgiven. it. That oh, would be it. So that's the yeah. that's the difference is the repentance piece. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's because it's not hollow. Yeah. Forgiving somebody that doesn't want your forgiveness, it's the worst. You ever forgiven somebody and it's like, well, if your feelings were hurt, I'm sorry you were hurt. Yeah. And you're like, I forgive you. For what? <laughs> For believing it was my fault my feelings were hurt? Yeah. How good do you feel after that? It's but terrible. It, but in the meantime, 25 years with that guy, was there bitterness for you? Were you able to... Because I think sometimes... Oh, I no, mean... I went to therapy. I got over it. I had to let it go. You can't hold on to that stuff. Right. You can't. Right. Because, but then when you saw him, it triggered it. When when you saw oh, him yeah. again, it triggered it. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was just like, I can't believe it. Because I... And it, I remembered it. I, yeah, I haven't thought about that guy in forever, but... And your heart had to be prepared because if he had come up to you and said, yeah. I'm sorry, and you were holding on to bitterness... That. There yes. would be no... There would and, be no... And this Obviously, is what I I've been through yes. some of this. <laughs> of course. But this is what I, I know what tell. this is like. <laughs> yeah. All the deconstructionists, all the deconstructionists. The problem with it right now is you're alone. You don't have Jesus to go through these things with. You've deconstructed him out of your life. Are, are you kidding? The creator yeah. of all things. Through him, all things are held together. And I knit you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Every cell in your body. Do you understand anytime you experience joy? Anytime. Anytime you see, I was, uh, Colorado has these things called the great sand dunes. We went to the sand dunes. I told, I took my daughter and we hiked up the sand dunes. It was so hot and high, but when we came back, the sun shifted. And I mean, it was just, and Lucy, my daughter, she's 11. She was like, Oh, daddy, this is beautiful. And I was like, Oh, it is gorgeous, baby. And I was like, Lou, who did this for you? And she was like, Jesus. And I'm like, do you understand that when Genesis said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in that moment, when he separated light from dark, when there was void and he started that process, he saw to this exact moment when you would turn around and see beauty that he created, he knew we would be here. He set in motion every single thing in history to allow us to arrive in this moment for you to experience joy. That's what God has done for you. He's been thinking about you every second of the way, waiting for this moment because he knew daddy would tell you this story and we would both be excited about Jesus together. He set that in motion. That's how much he loves you. Every time any person listening experiences joy, it's because the Lord set in motion at the instant of the Big Bang, if you believe that or not. He set that in motion. He was thinking about you in that instant. He knew the pain you would go through. So that's what I ask now. And it's awful. And I'm so bad at it. Like, I'm going to say this and it's going to make me sound like I'm a really good Christian. Just know that I fail 99 times out of 100 on this. But I try to ask the Lord when I'm going through something, why? Like, okay, clearly I haven't learned something I'm supposed to learn that I didn't listen to your still small voice because I'm so thick headed and now I got to suffer for something. 
what is it, baby? What do we got to go through? What do I need to get rid of? What do I got to sharpen off, you know, or sand down? I try to grow. I try to let those situations uh, stretch me. If you read Brene Brown, she's got a bunch of beliefs I don't believe in, but man, her stuff on empathy, Mm -hmm. nobody better. Christians ought to read that all day long. Yeah. She says, if you are vulnerable, you will get hurt. Mm-hmm. Be vulnerable anyway. Yeah. I'm telling it. If you can live with a spirit of grace, it's just, it's so, it's hard when you're hurt. It is, especially when you see someone. I, my, I had a neighbor. He walked away from the Lord because his dad's a jerk and his college rejected homosexuals. God. Mm-hmm. How do you turn around? I was listening to Michaela Peterson recently. Do you know Jordan Peterson? I'm sure you know Jordan. His daughter, Michaela. uh, Just answer the question. Why did you start believing God at 29? And she was like, because it was hard. (laughs) It's like, it's a crazy thing to believe in. If you didn't grow up in a household to believe that, it's crazy. It's really hard to believe in that. It is. It's And it's hard. That's the thing, too, because. So I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but. It's the theology. It's the bad theology sometimes. So we, this person hurt you, right? They're a Christian. They're a pastor. But it's bad theology that hurt you because if you read the Bible, you'll understand that's going to happen all the time. It's the, it's the norm. The norm yeah. is suffering. The exception is joy. Yeah. It is. Israel, it means struggles with God. Struggles with God. I struggle with God. I love it. I, 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 I love that he's so big. Yesterday I was driving home and I was like, I'm so sorry that I'm so fearful, Lord. I'm so sorry that I don't trust you like I want to. I'm so sorry. I wish I trusted you more. And you know what he's going? I wish you did too, but I love you so much that I already died for you. I already paid a price for you. Do you know the Lord can't love you anymore or any less? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's it's bad theology. In this life, you will experience trials and tribulations. And that's like, here's the hardest part. I'm not going to tell you who. There's someone in my life that I've known for a long time. It's a family member. It's not my parents, but it's and not my sister. It's not immediate. But anyway, I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> They've wounded me many times. Never repented of it. Never said they're sorry. And as an adult, I found out about their childhood trauma. And, oh, it's awful. It does not excuse their behavior. It doesn't. But I understand that somebody can behave that way if they haven't experienced the healing that I have experienced. It doesn't make my pain any less. It doesn't make it any less. But it's that thing where, because they still say stupid things every now and then, and I just can't believe it. It's like, oh, just, why? And I just, the Lord just says, oh, I'm so sorry, Ryan. And I grieve that. You know, that's the thing too, especially if it's a family. Most of them, it's a family member that we're talking about that was the hurt, hurtful person, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to live with that person for the rest of your life because they're, or abandon them and then not have a family and then have to tell everybody like, oh, I don't talk to my parents because they're mean and I decided to never talk. Like, oh, 
right? All the things. Or you can set really clear boundaries. That's the first one too. Set clear boundaries. If you've got people that are hurting you, set boundaries. Don't allow it. Don't. It's not a Christian thing to do. Taking abuse is not Christian. That's Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't think you should take abuse and be wounded on purpose. Mm-hmm. Set those boundaries. Yeah. A um, couple follow-up questions to that, and then we'll get to the last question here. Yeah. But um, for somebody who is skeptical of church, because uh, there's yes. a lot of people that will hurt me there. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you've talked a lot mm-hmm. about <laughs> we're all messed up. Um, what is the reason for church and what kind of compelling yes, yes, yes. but but kind argument could you give to right. somebody who isn't yes. there? And that's the thing, too. I don't want to turn people like, oh, don't go to church. Like, no. Like, my wife and I are struggling right now. We lost our pastor this last year. Now we're trying to find a new church. And, oh, man, it's really hard because faith is important and it's really vulnerable. It just is innately vulnerable. Trusting somebody beyond you is vulnerable. Saying there's somebody that knows more than me is vulnerable. Saying I don't know it all is vulnerable. So when you find a church and there's leaders there that are supposed to be teaching you in those ways, that's a vulnerable action. But being around the body of Christ, being in community, it's important. And I'm telling you, it's important for a billion reasons. Do you know the number one determining factor on longevity? Number two is lifestyle. Number three is genetics and determining longevity, how long you're going to live. Number one is social ability. How many friends do you have? The number one determining factor of how long you will live is how many friends you have. I think my Alexa just talked to us too. (laughs) It's how many friends you have. And I'm telling you church, because can you meet people? Here's the thing. Yes. You're going to be more vulnerable with these people, and so it does give them a – you have a higher chance of being hurt, right? As vulnerable as you are, you can be hurt that much. That's scary. But you can find those people – man, When this is the thing too. We did lose some friends when Laura went through cancer, right? I got to tell you, the friends that stuck with us, bro, you want to talk about understanding true friendship. I mean true friendship. Last night I was doing an event for one of my best friends. Oh, my goodness. Her name's Sarah. Her husband, Zachary, is my best friend, and she is just a dream. I love her so much. And when Laura was going through her second bout of cancer, I was over at their house, and I let loose. I said the most inappropriate the, – the string of words that came out of my mouth would <clears throat> grow my hair. It was awful. <laughs> and she started laughing, and I was like, oh, do you think this is funny? And she was like, oh, Ryan, No. I am so thrilled that you feel this comfortable around me. I am so happy you can just let down. And I was like, oh, and then I let another one go. You know, it was like, that's friendship. That's ride or die. That's middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, when you find those people, when you find real friends going through suffering, it changes everything about your life because then you've got the real ones and you know, there aren't that many. There aren't, but when you get those, and this is the thing too, the people in, cause you'll have like concentric circles, right? Like the close ones, the rider dies. And then, you know, you get out this way. The ones close will be jealous of those other friendships. They'll want to know why, because they're good friends. Yeah. Be a good friend. Yeah. Tell the truth. Keep your commitments. Be a closed. Oh, be a, this is something. Okay. Everybody that's going to go to a church. If, uh, how do I say this? Um, I can use the word gossip. Ha, that's a better word. If, (laughs) sorry. 
if somebody gossips to you about another person, you can never share something with that person. Don't ever be vulnerable around that person. Because if they're going to share something about someone else's hurt, they're going to share it about you. So be wise. You can like that person. You can get along with them. You can have all kinds of things in common. You can have uh, common uh, activities you'd like to do together. If they talk about other people, they are not closed mouth friends. I got that from AA. AA, closed mouth friends. You say anything you want, it's gone. Get those types of friends. You can say anything to, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ah, so good. Well, thank you, Ryan. You've shared some different resources with, you know, Brene Brown and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, Summit Ministries, which I've recently been acquainted with and I think is amazing as well. Oh, Um, listen, Dr. Jeff wrote a book called Truth Changes Everything because he went through cancer a year ago. I was recording his podcast, watching him go through cancer, watching him lose his hair. Whoa, he's a marathoner. He's so he's such a marathoner. In Colorado Springs, we have a thing called the Pikes Peak Marathon, where people do a half marathon. They run from the bottom of Pikes Peak to the top of Pikes Peak, 13 and a half miles. Who would do that? Who would want to do that? Dr. Jeff does. He does the half and the full. The first day, it's a half marathon to the top, and then you get a, dr- a ride back down. The second day, they do a full marathon. They run up and then back down again. Wow. He had to stop marathoning, all the things. He's got a book called Truth Changes Everything. It will change everything. Wow. How about you? You've written six books or more. I don't even know. I think six. Okay. (laughs) Really don't. I'm I'm not kidding. Why not? Um, Okay. You can read. Okay. I'll give you the ones you can. (laughs) I've never had a guest on here just for, just for, uh, you know, reference. I've never had a guest not want to share at least one thing that they share one thing that you do that people can find out more about you oh our podcast the podcast tell about the podcast oh i love doing it my wife is so great yeah it's i mean we are adaptive parents like this is i'll tell you you want to get along with your kids you want to get along with your wife then expect them to behave like they're supposed to behave i have a 16 year old son now i would like it if he wouldn't be on his cell phone 27 hours a day. I'd love it. But he's 16. That's how he's supposed to behave. That is exactly the way he's supposed to act. He's supposed to be a little bit introverted and and sullen at times. That's what they are. That's what teenagers are. Their brains don't work very well. They forget things all the time. They get foggy. They've got hormone changes, all the things. So we were on vacation recently. I could just berate him all day long about being on a cell phone. I could just put him down. I could, oh, I can't believe, how do you know how much we've spent on this vacation? All the things, no, he's supposed to behave this way. So about every three things he didn't want to do, I made him do one of them. Hmm. And we had a great time. And he was on his phone more than I wanted. So what? Yeah. I made him do more things than he wanted. How about that? He didn't (laughs) want to do all the things I made him do, but he did it. Just treat your kids like they're supposed to behave. When your kids turn two, that's not sin nature. When they say no and mind, stop reading those old Christian books that tell you that's sin nature that you've got to punish. It's stop. not. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's my podcast. No. I love no, kids. Okay. I love marriage. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> that's kids a- are the greatest. That's amazing. Final question. Um, the Finding Something Real podcast, Ryan, it's about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, obviously there's many more, but real is an acronym for those things. Restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which stands out to you the most in your life right now? Restoration. Yeah. 
because it's the rebuilding you know it's that it's the it's that grace rebuilding process you get so much stronger like my wife and i are strong because we've gone through hard times like when you ditch in the hard times what are you going to do like we've been through cancer we've been through therapy we've been through rehab we've been through uh losing people we've been through and now when when some like laura today she hugged me today and she goes we've been through worse and we're going to get through this ah mm-hmm. oh, how cool is that the best restoration yes because we stuck it out we stuck it out we stuck it out i told my wife well, there it's right behind me our very first fight we we're in our apartment in southern california 800 square feet we got in a big fight and where do i go like, <laughs> i left the bedroom and i walked into the living room right right and i looked on our tv and it was this photo of her from our wedding mm. and the thought occurred to me i'm gonna be old with you like I'm going to be an, a wrinkly, broken down old man and you're going to be with me. Mm. Like we're going to be together. Oh my goodness. What are we going to experience? And I was the, I failed for years in our marriage and she stuck with me by grace. Mm. Yeah. And I'm nuts. Like, I know that you think that a little bit. Like I'll show you this. You can leave it in two. Before we, I asked my wife to marry me after three weeks. We met on a blind date, a blind date, never seen her until the first date three weeks later we got engaged five months and two days after that we got married but i think it was maybe a month and a half after we met i tattooed her name on my ribs <laughs> it's like eight by 18 it's so big i wasn't married mm-hmm. yeah but that's forever and the mm-hmm. feeling you get when you know when you know in spite of everything they love you and they're there for you that's, I mean, you could, that's when you experience the true theology and the true love of Jesus. When you sacrifice for your children, when you do the sacrifices God did for you, for your children, because you love them so much, and your spouse is with you every step of the way, and you're supporting each other through all of it, you feel Jesus. Mm-hmm. You do. You can go, th- and you can go through things. You can lose friends, and you can grieve together, and you can be sad. Yeah. And the Lord, if you don't have somebody to go through it with you, the Lord will grieve with you. He yeah. will. You can weep with the Lord. Well, now you you made me have to ask a follow-up question to that, Ryan. This is the last one. <laughs> okay. okay. So you mentioned very briefly that you had a previous marriage. Yeah. When you've already been wounded by something oh, yeah. else, it really relates to what we're talking about here because you're talking about, yes, all in. We're going to get old together. Have faith. For somebody who's been wounded by the church and now they're going to step forward, what is oh, yeah. the one piece of advice you can give about how you can, how you can flip the switch there and and just move, you know, uh, in the I, direction okay, of Jesus? And I'll tell you, when I went through my divorce, my church fired me, and it was not my fault. I didn't want to get divorced. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't need to be anything other than that. My church fired me. Yeah. Yeah, the pastor. And by the way, he's crazy famous. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's church hurt. That's church hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Oh, and I didn't have a church to go to. I'm going, I'm in the middle of a divorce. Yeah. I'm going through a divorce. They kicked me out of my own church. Oh, yeah. Here's the truth. It took me a long time to get over it. It did. It's okay. That's the thing, too. If you experience hurt and pain and it's taking you a long time, that's fine. The hurt was big. Don't feel guilty about that and be angry. Like my wife, someone hurt us as a couple and I'm over it and she's not. So what? Mm -hmm. She's like, I am not where you're at. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. 
And I don't need her to be where I'm at. She got hurt really bad. I'm just different. I'm kind of weird. Like I can kind of talk my brain into doing stuff every now and then. She could be mad. It's totally fine. And we yeah. will hang out with them until she wants. That's great. Yeah. But be, when you experience those emotions, don't be, that's okay. Anger is, is, is not simple. Mm-hmm. Grief isn't simple. It's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's you, okay. You kept on holding on to the Lord, which I think is kind of the key, right? Is that even in the midst of all of that? I have to believe. I've got to believe. Listen, if it's up to me, oh, come on. I've been down that track road. That'd be awful. I got to believe. And mm-hmm. and because I've seen the past, I've seen him bring me through impossibilities in my life. Yeah. And I know he loves me. And when I don't feel it, I just tell myself. Like I did, I get panic attacks. I really struggle with uh, anxiety. And when I get stuck in a, a panic attack, I don't remember what's true. I don't, I cannot think of one friend I have and I have a great wife and I'll cover to her and I'll go, she sees when I'm panicking and mm. I'll be like, I don't, I, I can't think of my friends. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I get stuck and she'll go, Marshall is your best friend. You can call him right now. He will drive over here. Zachary is your best friend. He will answer the phone right now. Sid loves you he would fly here if you need that and she tells me what i know to be true uh ryan dobson uh i could talk to you for a long time which we have and uh, i just really appreciate this very authentic real conversation gracie Gracie, i hope that you get to listen to this as well and encourages Mm. you um until next time thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.